Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together, Father, to worship you. Father, I pray now that everything done and said today will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom, Father, that it will go out and it will not return void. And we give you the praise and honor and the glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So <clears throat> late one night, this blonde was walking down the street in New York, and there was a big sign on the side of the building, and it says, Ring Bell for Night Watchman. She stops, and she rings the bell. Nothing happens. She rings it again. A few minutes later, you start to hear some rumbling around. The guy trudges down the stairs. He unlocks the first door. He turns the alarm off. He unlocks the second door. He finally gets to the exterior door and says, Can I help you? And she said, Well, I really wish you could ring the bell for yourself. <laughs> Here again, I'll take all the submissions y'all want on the jokes. Riley actually laughed at that one this week, so I thought I was going to be okay. She wasn't here to give me my um, laugh. She's in the Little People's Church. So, so what we're going to talk about today is, is a choice we make every day, right? We make a choice every day um, on how we wake up and how we live and how we walk through life. And, it, and it's, I'm not going to tell you what it is, and then I hope I'll remember in a second I'll tell you what it is. But it is something that we, we face, everybody, no matter who you are, young, old, black, white, green, pink, yellow, you know, very intelligent, not very intelligent. We still make this decision every day. We choose how we see the world, right? And we do. It's our free will. So if you'll turn with me to uh, Isaiah, um, chapter 43. And it's verse 1, but it's not all of verse 1. But Isaiah 43, verse 1. Uh, oh, I'll read the whole thing. But now this is what the Lord says. He created you, Jacob. He formed you, Israel. And this is where we really want to start. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by your name, and you are mine. How powerful of a statement. Do not fear. For I have redeemed you, I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. Well, last week we talked about the great transaction where Jesus bought us back, right? And then we were redeemed. And this fits in the redeemed, right? So do not fear. And I know, you know, they used to have this, the no fear logos or whatever. But we have to choose an operating system. Right? And, and, and I know that sounds funny, right? If you, if, you talk, if you know what I'm talking about in computers, there are different kinds of operating systems that make computers do different things. But it's a different way of looking at things. So just stick with me for a second. The world's operating system is fear, anxiety, worry, and dread. That's what you're told. We're, we, you better worry about what's going to happen next. And you better worry about the economy. And you better worry about this war. And you better worry about that war. And you better make sure that you vote for this guy. And you got to worry about this. The world is built on fear-mongering, worry, and anxiety, and dread. I saw something this week that said that we're now, the, the, the United States of America, on more anxiety medicine than ever before in history, right? And it is constantly going up. It is ramping up at an alarming pace. But God's system is not fear, anxiety, worry, and dread. In fact, when God talks about fear, 
Almost every time that you can read the word fear in the Bible, it says do not. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not worry. Right? So God's operating system is, so fear, anxiety, worry, and dread. It's faith, grace, love, and peace. Now that sounds like a much better operating system, right? Faith, grace, love, and peace sounds like a much better deal than fear, anxiety, worry, and dread. However, we seem to create our own fear and our own worry and our own anxiety and our own dread. And most of the time when we're doing this, we are creating situations in our own head of things that are never going to happen. How many of y'all ever really, really, really worried about something and it never came to pass? Uh, miss, miss sleep. I would say lost weight, but that doesn't seem to be my problem when I'm worrying. I don't seem to lose weight. I kind of gain weight. We are short with the people around us. We are mean and we are vindictive, right? Why? I'm worried. I got stuff going on that you don't know about. Well, is it real? Or is it made up? Because in the Bible it says that we shouldn't be afraid. And so if you would, and this is a man, a big flip. So in my Bible it's two whole pages. If you'll flip back two whole pages to Isaiah 41. So Isaiah 41. <clears throat> uh, verse 10. Right? This is God again. So do not fear, for I am with you. And do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. How can we... So we listen to the things that are around us that say we should be afraid and we should be worried and we should be upset. And I want to ask you, who gave them the authority over you for them to be able to put you in a spirit of fear. But the Bible clearly says that a spirit of fear is not of God, right? It didn't come from God. He didn't say, be fearful and dread and worry because I'm going to... No, that's not what he said. Do not fear, for I am with you. I am your God and I will strengthen you. I mean, what the Bible says is if God is for us, who can successfully be against us? That's in Romans. That's when he's talking about us being more than conquerors, like Romans 8.31 or something. He says that if God is for us, who can successfully be against us? So if you were talking about being afraid or upset or worried, on what authority are you doing these things? Back to verse 43, I mean chapter 43 for just a second. Um, Do not fear for I have redeemed you and I have summoned you by my name. You are mine. Uh, verse 2, for when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flames will not set you ablaze. See, it's real easy to say don't fear when everything is just great. So God, when he was explaining this in 43, Isaiah 43, he was like, do not be afraid because I'm with you and you're mine. But I want you to know that when you walk through the waters, I'm still with you. And when you walk through the fire, I'm still with you. And when you go through the river, I'm still with you. 
When you go through tough times, God does not leave us. It says that he, nothing can separate us from the love of God, that he will never leave us and never forsake us. So when we, and this is tough, man. This, look, look, this is, this is a me sermon. So when we tr- choose to fear and worry and dread, that is an act of doubting God and an act of removing his authority from our life. Because if you say and believe that I'm a born-again believer, that I'm a child of the Most High God, that he said he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me, and he'll be with me in the rivers and he'll be with me in the water and he'll be with me in the flames, what exactly am I worrying about? Whether or not my workman's comp audit is going to go like I want it to or not? Whether or not my taxes have been paid like they're supposed to? Whether we get the next job or not? See, that's just real, right? And I find, I catch myself worrying and being anxious over things that do not have authority over me. I'm a child of God. He supplies my needs through his riches and glory. So when I act like the world and I walk in fear, anxiety, worry, and dread, I'm not but it looks like I have turned my back on what God's word says about me. And that's tough. Because if we're walking according to God's word, we're walking in the faith and grace and love and peace. Knowing no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Knowing that he knows my name. That he redeemed me. That I'm his. It says right there, I'm his. So why am I worried? Well, see, there you go. That's the battlefield of the mind, right? Because I get bought into or start listening to or start to believe or start to put my faith in what the world says. The economy's going to crash. The dollar's going to go away. Everything's going to be terrible. And I'm not saying that stuff isn't going to be true. I don't know. I don't know if the dollar's going to go away or not or if the economy... But my faith is not tied to the the government in St. Stephen or in South Carolina or in the United States. That is not my king. My king is the king of kings and lord of lords. And what this country does does not have anything to do with where I am and who I belong to. See, that's where our fear gets in the way. Because we start to put all of this pressure on the situation around us that it's going to look like God's kingdom. And we're not looking at God's kingdom. We're looking at man's kingdom. God said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word will never pass away. So when we get tied up in this worry, anxiety, fear, and dread, what exactly are we looking at? It's the camouflage, it's the deceiver. When Satan wants you to believe that you have no way out. No way out. You're trapped. This is all bad, and it's all going to be terrible, and it's all your fault, and there's no way you can get around it. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. If you want to go to the Father, all you do is come to me. Turn with me to Matthew 6. You you knew you were going to hear this one, right? If if we're hearing this sermon, you've got to hear Matthew 6. So Matthew 6. 
Uh, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, or what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. It's not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? This is the toughest sentence in this whole thing that Jesus is talking about. Can any, of, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So whose bidding are you doing? If you're worried and fearful and full of anxiety and dread, whose mindset are you possessing? Because it's not this one. Because he said, I don't even want you to worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or what goes on. So if we are so hung up, and, and look, look, there, there, ain't, there ain't a soul in this building. I'm just standing here looking at y'all, worried about where your next meal is coming from. You ain't. I, I, I probably could go four, five, six, eight meals without and still be plenty good. I don't know if y'all saw the news of that. There's a young man that got lost in the hellhole swamp, right? And he had, to, he had to spend the night. And I think it's hilarious because they talk about it. Oh, he, he weathered the storm and he spent the night. And I think about, you know, Paul was shipwrecked in the open sea for a couple of days. One night in the woods, is that really that bad? I mean, three generations ago, they would have called that a recreational event. We're going to go camp. We just gonna go. Well, y'all got a tent? No, we just gonna go sleep on the ground in the middle of hellhole. It'll be great. I know some of y'all just done it. We sissies. It, it, we have we have watered this down. But when we are so worried about what the world has to say and what the world has to do, why are we doing that? The three Hebrew children were thrown into the fiery furnace, and they said. Even if our God doesn't show up, we're still not going to bow down to you. Even if the economy crashes, I'm still not going to bow down to you. Even if the government crumbles to bits, I'm still not going to bow down and worry and dread. Even if we lose everything we got and we're living in the middle of hellhole swamp with nothing around us, I'm still not going to turn my back on God. He says that he will supply my needs through his riches and glory. What exactly am I worried about? Whether my hair looks good, whether I dress nice, whether I went to eat at the nicest restaurant. What are we worried about? We live in a time to where we have more conveniences than ever before. We live in the most comfortable time in the history of the world. And we're on the most anxiety medicine ever. Think back two generations. Let's, let's say the 1890s, because that'll cut all y'all out, right? No inside water, right? No electricity, no refrigerator. What'd they do? Did they all die? Heck no. They thrived. They had 12, 15 kids. Probably because they didn't have a TV. But it, I mean, it is still, they thrived. 
they thrived. That, our whole world was built by people who had way less than what we have. I heard a comedian one the other day say that they were talking about if he had a time machine, if he could go back in time, that could he change the future? And he said, I don't think I could. The only thing I could tell him is this one day that phone just attached to the wall, you'll have one in your pocket. And he said, well, how do they do that? Well, I don't know, but it works. It's in your pocket. We, we, we are in the smartest, dumbest age in the history of the world. And we are so worried about nothing. Fear, anxiety, worry, and dread is a lot of our daily routine. We wake up thinking about stuff. Oh, what if this happens? Oh, what if that happens? What happens if I don't pass that inspection? What happens if I don't get the kids to school on time? What happens if I don't make an A on that paper? What happens if I don't get the promotion? What happens if we're not a good witness for God? What happens if we're not the hands and feet of Christ? What happens if we're not walking the way we're supposed to be walking? Those are things I'm concerned over. Those are the things I should be concerned over. The fear of God and the love of God, that's what I should be concerned over. Not if enough people watched this on Facebook last week and hit the like button or the not like button or if it was shared or Facebook's shadow banning it. Or, that's really not what we should be worried about. We should be worried about our personal interaction and our example of what Christ looks like. Now, I'm going to tell you. <clears throat> I heard, and y'all you know me, but I heard a guy talking about, um, he went in a guitar shop, and this 13-year-old was over in the guitar shop, and he was trying to play Sweet Child of Mine, and, and, and was butchering the song, right? He said, do you think then that when I hear somebody play music badly, did I think, man, whoever wrote that really did a bad job? Have you ever heard a classical music piece be played terribly and think, well, Mozart really missed that one? He said, and how come is we look at Christians and say, man, God really did a bad job? So if you can't see the value in somebody who's trying to imitate, right, we should be focused on the original, which is why we should strive and work hard to where we look more like Christ Every day, because people judge us, right? And our walk with Christ and how we look, whether or not God did a good job or not. And if we're walking around with fear, anxiety, worry, and dread, and we look just like everybody else, and we have a sour look on our face, and everything that we have to say is negative, and we can't be nice, and we're so stressed out we don't have fun in anything, and there's no joy... Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Strength. That's like the one thing that I have a strength in. That this is my strong point. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Do we look like the joy of the Lord is our strength? What granddaddy used to say, most Christians walk around look like they gargle lemon juice. Have a sour look on their face. And go, don't you want to be part of us? No. Why would they? When we walk in the operating system of fear, anxiety, and worry, and dread, 
Nobody wants to be friends with you, much less be like you. However, if we walk in the operating system of faith and grace and love and peace, people want to know what you have different. When we can be full of grace and love and kindness to people around us, no matter what the situation is, that's what sets Christians apart. That's what's supposed to set Christians apart. In all of the times of the trials and tribulations that Jesus went under, at no point in time did he snap at him and go, you don't know what I'm going through. Did he? Did I miss it? I mean, I read, I read it. I don't remember one time that he was going, you just don't understand what I got going on at work. I talked to your architect last week, and I have a very small issue with him. And I called him on the phone, and he answered the phone. And he was gruff answering the phone. He's really a nice guy. He was gruff answering the phone. And I talked to him for a few seconds, and he had yelled at me like three times. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. He said, you have to excuse me. I, I just came from a very stressful meeting, and you just don't understand. And I'm like, do you need to call me back? I, I do not have an immediate question. He allowed that situation to ruin the next conversation. He is working in that fear, anxiety, worry, and dread. He had a problem, and he knew he was in a mess, and he had something to fix. And mine was a simple question. Simple, very simple question. How many times do we treat people that, are not, that don't know what's going on because we're so amped up in our fear, anxiety, worry, and dread that we can't show them the faith, love, grace, and kindness. It's a good measurement as a Christian if you can be in the most stressful situation and still have that love, kindness, soothing voice. If you figure out how to do it, I'd really like to know. I'll, I'll come study under you for a couple of days because I don't know how. But I know it's the goal. I know that's what we're supposed to be doing. I know that's where we're supposed to be heading. <clears throat> uh, turn with me, if you will, to First John. That's Little John. That's back there, and the, it's like a bunch of them. <clears throat> and this is a tough. This is tough. First John, chapter four, in verse eighteen. First John four eighteen. For there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. When we walk in God's love, there cannot be fear. And I, I see it like a um, like gas tank, right? The further you are down on love, the more fear keeps creeping in and keeps creeping in and keeps creeping in. And then if you're like Crystal, you let the light come on and then drive another two days before you put gas in it. And then you can get that love back, right? Go, Crystal. Hey, look here. Crystal's got a scientific method on that, buddy. You don't think she can drive it to the empty. She can drive it to the empty. <laughs> how much love we have dictates how much fear we allow to operate in our life. Now, I'm not talking about love from your peers 
I'm talking about the love of God. I'm talking about understanding the love of God in such a way to know that he died on the cross for me, he redeemed me, that he supplies my needs, that he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, that I'm born again, that I'm a child of God, that I'm a new creation, that I'm his and he knows my name. The more I understand God's love for me, the less fear is available. There's no room for fear. If I get to the place to where I understand who I am in Christ, there is no room for fear. But Hosea says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So the less knowledge you have on the love of God, the further that needle goes down, the more fear builds itself up. And it's heavy, and it weighs you down. And you go, well, you just don't understand. I'm just a worrier. But you was a sinner, but we fixed that. Maybe we should fix the worrier next. Well, you don't understand. I have a lot of stress in my job. I, I get it. You might do some serious stuff. That's good. Does that take away from how much God loves you? Does that change who you are in Christ? Does that change who you belong to? And if the answer to any of those questions is yes, then I got a little suggestion for you. Quit your job. Go be the greeter at Walmart. If your job takes you further away from God, you are in the wrong industry. Find a different job. That's not the only job on the planet you can do, I promise. Go be a shoe designer or an airplane pilot or a, a rodeo clown or something else. Something that will help you find God. I think if you're a rodeo clown, it will help you find God. The more love that we have of God present in our life should squelch out the fear. But we have to choose to squelch it out. Every time, he says, do not be afraid. Jesus says in John 14, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not, don't, please stop, please stop being fearful. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. And I know that's easy. I get it. But we have to be conscious of the decision that we make every day. Are we going to choose fear, anxiety, worry, and dread and say that's just how I am? Or are we going to actually believe what God says about us and operate in faith and love and grace and peace? Now, I do not believe that if you have operated your whole entire life or however many years you've been on the planet with fear, anxiety, worry, and dread, then you can put your foot down and say, I will not worry anymore. I don't think you can do it. There's too many roots in it. Y'all ever tried to pull up like a little tiny root, I mean a little tiny weed, you just grab it with two fingers and pull it up. But you let that joker grow up and there's roots and tap roots and other roots and it's tied into stuff. So your worry, fear, and anxiety and dread might be buried down in the ground a little bit. But you just don't let the weed keep growing. Let's work on it. Let's cut it down. Let's dig around it. Let's start intentionally making our mind up that I'm not going to live like this. This is not who God called me to be. He has set me free from this. 
First Peter says that he cast, we should cast our cares on him who cares for us. We have to make, up a, make our minds up and make a decision that we're not going to continue in the status quo, but we're going to press ourselves to be better examples in Christ. Fair? Okay. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you that we are not afraid, Father, that we walk in your grace and your love and your peace. Father, we just give you the praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.